Wow. Well, that's, that's the trip down memory lane, isn't it? Hey, thank you so much. You can be seated. Vernon, I thought you were about 12 years old, man. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, if, you, if you didn't, I know we probably have veterans here that weren't up there, and so uh, we, we put everyone in there that we could, and we put as many pictures as you could, and some people didn't have pictures due to some circumstances, uh, fires or different things. But, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, I, I think that... Um, it's just exciting, and so we have a guest speaker. I wanted to do something special today for Veterans Day, and I didn't want to do it myself, so I asked, he's going to come just a minute, Mike Schlimgen, and uh, he came into town last night, and Mike said, Terry, why'd you ask me? And, well, there, there's about three or four reasons. Uh, first of all, I've known him for over 20 years. Uh, him and my dad are big uh, fishing, fishing buddies, and, uh, but the second thing is uh, he served in the Air Force uh, for many years, and until he, he, he was forced to, to get out due to some injuries, his whole family has a history of service, uh, you know, to, in, in, the, in, in the United States service, uh, mostly in the Air, Air Force. After he got out, he, he pastored for 25 years. He pastored a great church, Solid Rock Church in San Marcos. Uh, he's been married for 47 years to his wife, Diane. He has four kids and 10 grandkids. And uh, he retired from ministry about seven years ago, and all he does now is work with veterans organizations, disabled veterans, uh, praying with them, leading them to Jesus, and, and so on and so forth. And so, uh, would you give a family life welcome for Mike Schlingen? Thank you, thank you, thank you. God is good. So one of the things I noticed when I, when I came in here today is I was greeted with joy. Do you greet everybody like that? I mean, it was like, wow, I can feel the love, the love of God, you know, and uh, that's pretty special. That's pretty awesome because, you know, don't we need that? Don't we need that? Don't we need to go to some place where we're accepted and loved and valued and appreciated? And you certainly do a great job of that. So I met, uh, I met Elisa, who works with the kids, right? I met, I guess Jeff was greeting me at the door out here. I met a Joanne. Uh, I met a Jackie. Uh, I, you know, it, it's just, you have some awesome people here, Pastor in your church, and they serve and they give and they work not because they have to, because it's duty or a job, but I could just see the joy. I could see the joy on folks' faces. What a, what a wonderful welcome. Well, I just want to praise God this morning. Can I do that? Can I just praise God for He is good? God is awesome. Um, I want to tell His story this morning, but His story in my life, and every one of us have a story about God working in our lives, don't we? Do, do you have a story like that? And so I'm so honored and humbled and, and uh, 
I'm so grateful for the opportunity to tell his story in my life today. And I, my prayer would be that you would go somewhere this week and with that same joy that you have in your heart, share his story in your life with somebody else. Because we're, we're, we just live in a world where there's not a lot of joy sometimes. And for people to hear the, your story about God working in your life and his power uh, would be just so awesome. So I want you to be thinking about that. I want to tell you what happened to me last Saturday morning. Do you, do you believe that God can speak to people? Yes. Has God ever spoken to you? I mean, have you ever heard the word of God in your life and, you're, and you go, God, was that you? And then you realize, yeah, that was, that was God. And if God speaks to you, then you better do what he says, right? Yeah. There's consequences if you do not follow the will of God in your life. And so last Saturday morning, I was at a men's breakfast, and I distinctly heard the voice of God, God speaking to me, and he said, next Sunday morning, you're going to be at Family Life Church in Sugar Land. And I have a message that I want you to communicate to somebody in that church. And my first thought was, who? Who, Lord? Well, he didn't give me a name, but he gave me a message. So can I share that message with you? Here's the message. And and the speaker at a men's breakfast was talking about the prodigal son. You know the story. And so God spoke to me and he says, next Sunday I want you to speak to someone in this church, at Family Life Church in Sugarland, and tell them God loves you. You may be confused, you may be fearful, you may be doubting. But I want you to come home. And when you come home, I'm going to greet you with love. So I don't know who you are, but I do believe that someone today needed to hear those words that God spoke to me last week because God wants you to know that he loves you. He's real. He wants to put his arms around you. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to restore you and bring you to himself. So I don't know who you are, but that is, that's a message that God wanted me to bring. And so praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Galatians 5.1 says this. Do you all believe in the Bible, by the way? Do you, do, you, do you preach the Bible here? you preach the Word of God? Do you trust the Word of God? Do you believe that God can speak to us through His Word? So Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom that Christ has set us free. And I think about freedom, and I think about there's, there's more than one kind of freedom. There's a personal freedom that we have. I was talking to Jeff at the door, and, and, and we were discussing the freedom to choose to be here on a Sunday morning. That's freedom. We have freedom in our country that you can choose to be here or you can choose to not be here. We have that personal freedom, but there's also a spiritual freedom that God wants to have. A spiritual freedom to release us from the bondage of sin and failure and defeat and disgrace and disappointments and setbacks. God wants us to know that spiritual freedom that is only found where? Where is that found? Where do we find our spiritual freedom? In Christ. He says, he says to us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I noticed when I walked in, I think Steve, I think your name is Steve, has a shirt 
and I hope you don't mind me calling you out, but he was talking to somebody. He leaned forward, and I saw on the back of his shirt, he said, there's only two forces in the world that would give their lives for your freedom. Jesus Christ and a veteran. <laughs> That's pretty good company, wouldn't you think, veterans? Okay. And we live in a country where we can enjoy those freedoms. I grew up in a military family. As your pastor mentioned, my dad was a career Army Air Corps B-29 kind of guy back in the 40s, and then he moved on to different things in the military before he retired. Um, my father-in-law was in the Navy. We have any Navy folks here? I think I saw some Navy pictures up on the... So he was on an LST. He called it a low, slow target. <laughs> and it's a, it was a landing craft, and, and he, he was on that ship from the day it was commissioned until the day it was decommissioned. He took it across the Atlantic to North Africa, Sicily, Italy. He went to England. He made 13 trips over a three-day period in June called D-Day. He turned 18 the second day of those three days. He said, the first ship, the first load of soldiers we took to the beach, not one of them made it to dry ground. Three days back and forth. When they were finished up with that campaign, and there's a lot of people, if you've ever been overseas and you've seen the fields of white crosses and stars of David lined up in a perfect row, those are the men and women that sacrificed everything for us to be able to sit here in a beautiful new church and gather and celebrate and worship God. He came back from there, went back across the Atlantic through the Panama Canal and went out into the Pacific and finished up. Most of the combat was over, but he found himself in, in, uh, in Japan before it was all over, a conquered nation, and, and, and came all the way back across the Pacific, went to San Francisco, got off the ship, decommissioned the ship, and took a cattle car back to Vermont where he met a beautiful young lady who eventually gave birth to a beautiful daughter who became my wife 47 years ago. Praise God. So the military, it runs pretty deep in our family. Both of our sons, son-in-law, <clears throat> military. So I grew up in a, in a home, a military home, and I was, uh, I was an altar boy in the Catholic church. And, and you know what I, what I loved about that, because I got to ring the bells. Anybody ever do this? It's just, you know, ding, 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 ding. And, and uh, uh, I got to say prayers in Latin, which I didn't understand. But confidio Deo de omnipotente beata Maria semper virgin. So I had all the, you know, and I, and I, and what I loved about those days was that my parents cared enough about us. There were six of us that they introduced us to God, and God was important to us. And and so I grew up. Although I was not close to God personally, I grew up with this awareness that it was almost like God was in the next room if you need Him, kind of thing, right? I didn't know him very well, but he was always handy. That was kind of the thought that was in my mind. And so I had this awareness of this great, awesome creator God, but I didn't know him personally. And so there was something missing in my heart, something missing in my soul. Well, I didn't know what, didn't know what it was. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe that whatever is missing in my heart and soul, maybe if I get into the military, like my dad was in the military, and if I wear that uniform and I can stand proud and I can salute and I can, you know, hold my hand over my heart when the flag is raised, and maybe that will fill what's missing in my 
in my life. And so I joined the military. I got into the United States Air Force. I enlisted in 1969, went to basic training in January of 1970. It'd be 50 years in just a couple months. I remember that. Wow. And uh, so I went to basic training. I've got a grandson in basic training right now. He graduates in two weeks, United States Air Force, same place I was 50 years ago. Isn't that amazing how life, you know, that quick, that quick, folks. Listen, make every day count because life happens so fast. Kids grow up, they get married, they have kids. Now you're a grandparent. I've got a granddaughter getting married in the spring. You know what that means in a few years. I'll be a great grandpa if God wills it you know, so fast. Listen, make every day count, and make every day count for God. Just make yourself available, and God will do awesome things. So I joined up the United States Air Force. I, I uh, applied for, and I, I got uh, accepted into a career field called pararescue. And so, um, I don't know if you know anything about special operations, special forces, but this was like like the, the pinnacle for me of jobs in the military. Wow, I was going to be on an international rescue team. I was going to go places and do things. As a matter of fact, there's a space center not too far from here, right? Is that right? And, and the last time I was there, they had the Apollo 17 module on display. Apollo 17 was the last mission that we had uh, in the Apollo program. Do you know the first time I saw the Apollo 17 module? It was dangling from orange and white parachutes while the wind was whipping in my face as I'm standing in the open door of a C-130 aircraft with a parachute strapped on my back and a collar installation kit suspended on rails above my head. And I'm watching this thing fall down out of the sky. And I'm so excited, man, because, you know, I'm 22 years old. This is, this is pretty cool stuff. I'm right on the equator, a place called Pango Pango, American Samoa. And the, it splashed down and... I got a little voice in my ear said, the Navy's got them. See, the, here was the deal. If it landed exactly, precisely where it was supposed to land, the Navy had divers all ready, and they had the aircraft carrier out there, and they had helicopters, and they'd get down and install the collar. If they missed by just a fraction, so what am I praying for? <laughs> so then those words, you know, the Navy's got them. So I went from that adventure and excitement and I thought maybe that will fill up what's missing in, in my heart and it didn't. 1972 that same year only three months before Apollo 17 I married my sweetheart also an Air Force veteran. So I'm, I'm, I want you to get this picture. I'm married to a beautiful young lady, a sweet girl, came from a military family I've got this amazing job. I get to go places and do things most people only dream about. And it didn't fill the void, the emptiness, that hollow, aching place in my heart and in my soul wasn't filled up. I knew something was missing. Came back from Hawaii, moved to Florida. And uh, I remember one day, I was, in those days, I was deployed somewhere around the world 35 weeks out of the year. 
which meant there was 35 weeks a year I was not with my wife. We weren't together. And this particular day, I got back from one of our, one of our missions, and I'm in our, our home all by myself. She's at work. She's in the military. She's gone. And I wake up. I went out and made myself a cup of coffee, went to the living room, sat on the couch, and I began to think, there's something missing, but I can't quite remember what it is. I can't figure this out. And, and, and all of a sudden, I started to cry. There was a pain inside of me. And I remembered then as a young boy, I remember going to church. I remembered that God, and I had that notion that God was in the next room if I ever needed him. And I remember distinctly that day, I took the car keys out of my, out of my pocket and I threw them on the little coffee table in our living room. And I said, God, I've been driving. I've been in charge. I've been calling the shots. It's all about me, me, me. And it hasn't filled up this place in my heart. And God, I know today what's missing. And it's you. I said, God, I have, I've been selfish. I've been sinful. I've made, I've made bad choices. And I want you to forgive me. And I, I got on my knees and I can remember my teardrops falling on that glass top of that coffee table. My car keys are over here. I remember shoving them away and I said, and there's not a Bible verse for what I'm telling you, by the way. Okay, in other words, my receiving Christ that day wasn't in a church. I didn't walk the aisle. I wasn't responding to, a, I just knew that God was the answer. And I knew that only Jesus Christ could forgive me and save me. So I pushed those car keys away and says, you've got it, I don't wanna ever drive again. I don't wanna ever be in charge of my own life again. That was in the spring of 1973. You know, life has not been the same since that day. Uh, now, when I would jump out of an airplane, and people would say, why do you jump out of a perfectly airplane? I said, well, you know, it's, actually it's a lot of fun, but Never again did I jump alone. Never again did I climb a mountain alone. Never again did I do something dangerous alone. So wherever I went, whatever I did, God was with me, and I had that assurance. And I, I met some people that discipled me and began to teach me about the gospel and the Bible and God's, you know, wonderful message of love. And so I began to grow as a Christian. And as I share that with you, I, I want to... I wanna, reference something in the Old Testament. It came to me this morning while we were singing. And by the way, thank you for that worship. That is so awesome. Doesn't worship set you free? I mean, just, just to be able to express our praise to God. And, and so as I was worshiping with you this morning, Psalm 40 came to my mind. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he sat my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand, and he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Man, I was in that pit. <laughs> I was in this dark place. And God lifted me out and put my feet on solid ground. 
put a new song in my mouth. You know who else has that new song in their mouth? You do, don't you? Is that true? Didn't God bring each one of us that he has called into his church? He's, he's brought us from where we were. I mean, I, I, heard, I heard your family story a, a few minutes ago. And God found you right where you were, and he loved you, and he picked you up, and he put this new song in our mouth. Praise God. I'm going to fast forward a little bit on his story in my life to 1977. I continued to progress in, in my military career, and one of the things I love to do is climb mountains. And it's just awesome. There's a picture at, right outside of your office. Well, maybe it was a, a computer monitor. Is that what I saw? The computer monitor. And this, this climber, this rock climber, and he, all you can do, you see this great big mountain, and you see this little bitty rock climber going up the face of this big rock. And, uh, for some reason, that was the kind of stuff that I loved to do. So I, I was asked to be on this um, high-altitude mountain rescue school to go to Bavaria and climb the Alps. This is in June 1977. And I was pumped. I was excited. I was ready. I mean, I was thrilled. This was a high honor to be able to go to this school. And so I got on board an uh, Air Force helicopter with uh, 13 other people. So there's 14 of us on this helicopter and we're taken off out of England, and we fly over the English Channel, we fly over uh, France and Belgium, and we come into the southern part of Germany, a place called Stuttgart. Anybody ever heard of Stuttgart, Germany? And so there's an airfield there, and we're going to land, and we're going to refuel, and I, I hopped up. They said, you know, we need somebody to spot the pilot for the landing, because when you land in a helicopter, you know, it's, it's one of these vertical-type landings the pilot can't see below, and so what I did is I jumped up, and there's a place on our rescue helicopter where you can open the top part of this door. It's where the cable goes out, and you can rescue people from the ground. And then also where we put the, the gun. If you're in a combat situation, you can, there's a gun mount. Uh, so you can cover, you know, fire and get your, rescue your person on the ground. So I said, I'll do that. So I stood up in the, in the number one gun door, put my helmet on, put my gloves on, raised the door, snapped in a gunner's belt, and I'm spotting the pilot, and I'm watching the, the airfield kind of get closer and closer. And when we're hovering at about 300 feet above the airfield, uh, and the, the helicopter blades, especially when you're that close, they woof, 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 woof. There's, it's a big whop sound, you know, and you can hear this. And that woof, woof, went to a You do not want to hear that sound. They say with it, when, you, when you run out of uh, airspeed, altitude, and ideas all at the same time, it's bad news. That's not good. And, and that's what was happening. We just, those rotor blades just started to spin, and we didn't know it then, but we had caught just a big pocket of dead air, and we had no lift whatsoever, and we fell 300 feet out of the sky, straight down onto the ground, and broke in half and started to burn. So now, while I'm in that, in that gunner's door, and I heard that rotor blade, I heard that pitch change, and I started to fall, and I, and I can just feel, I became weightless. I'm floating in the air, we're falling so fast. Now, at that time, I'd been on an international rescue team for about seven years. And in seven years, this is what we did. We went to aircraft crash sites, and we aided in the recovery or the rescue 
of personnel on those aircraft. So in those seven years, how many survivors do you think I ever encountered going to different crash sites in seven years? How many? Take a guess. One, two, five, ten. When an airplane hits the ground at a high speed and, the, and the, it catches on fire, it's, it's really rare. And now, if they're making a horizontal landing, that's one thing. But when you're falling straight down out of the sky, and so the first thing that happened to me, I'm, I'm, I'm floating in the air and we're, we're falling out of the sky and I began to scream, no, 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 no. And, and I'm just, I'm kind of panicked and all these visions of all the stuff that I had seen over the years. And I knew that that was about, I was about two seconds away from that happening. And in the midst of my own panic and fear, I felt the presence of God and I heard the voice of God, I don't know if I heard it in my ears or if I heard it in my soul, but I heard these words, I am here. I am here. I am here. And my first thought, and you know, everything is slow motion, and my first thought was, if I'm going to die, what better words to hear from, from the mouth of God that you're not alone, Mike. I'm here. I, I, did, I, thought, I thought my life was about to be over, but God was with me. And because God was with me, regardless of the circumstances, the next thing that was happening, and this is, this is all happening just as fast, but it's like slow motion. And it's, I began to praise God. I'm praising God. We're falling out of the sky in a crashing helicopter, and I'm, I'm just, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Remember now, I'm saved. I'm a believer. He's got my car keys. He's got my heart, my soul, my life. And as we're, as we're falling from the sky, I am praising God, and we hit the ground, we broke in half, we tumbled over, all the way to the helicopters up top where the motor and transmission is. So that means you've got 60-foot rotor blades that are out there spinning at you know, whatever speed, and they're breaking off, and they're coming through the fuselage of the airplane, 30-foot blades of steel coming through this fuselage this airplane that it happens to be on fire. The whole inside, the hydraulic lines are, are, are spraying this red hydraulic fluid everywhere. A big fireball comes out of the cockpit, shoots back through the, 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 uh, the, the fuselage of this aircraft. My helmet bag is next to me with my name on a little nylon strap, you know, Schlimgen, right? It was, when I got it, somebody brought it to me later, that entire name badge was melted up into one big black glob of plastic and it stopped about that far from my leg. Fourteen of us survived. The fuel tanks, which had been ripped off of the helicopter and sprayed jet, JP4, JP5 on the outside of the helicopter that was on fire on the inside, that fuel never ignited. If you can explain that, you need to talk to the Accident Investigation Board because nobody in the Air Force ever figured that out. How can this happen? How, how can this happen? And I believe, I believe only the hand of an almighty God saved the 14 people inside of that helicopter. Time does not allow me to tell you what happened over the next two years, but 
half of the guys in my pararescue section came to know Christ over the next two years as that story began to, to filter. I spent the next two years in, in medical rehab. My left leg was crushed, my back was broken, and so, uh, you know, I was in pretty bad place. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> I'm laying on the ground in Germany, you know, looking up at the blue sky while they're fixing me up. I dragged myself out of the helicopter with bones sticking out of my left leg, and it was nasty. It was not pretty. And they, they rolled me over, and they, they couldn't give me anything for pain uh, until I got to the hospital. And so, but they flew in a helicopter to evacuate us out. <laughs> I promise you, that's the last thing I wanted to see. But they, they so they put me and, and uh, Randy Steyer, he was burned. He was on the inside, and all that hydraulic fluid had been sprayed over him, and he caught on fire. And they, they drug him out into the field where the rotor blades had cut up all the dirt and the grass, and they literally buried him in, in grass and dirt and put the fire out. So Randy's next to me, uh, and uh, they had put us on litters and evacuated us out by a helicopter, and, and I'm still praising God. And I'm, praying, I'm praying for the other members of my crew. I can see the helicopter just wreckage out in the field, and I'm praying, God, spare them. All 14 lived. So what does God do with our disappointments? What does God do when we crash? What does God do when all of our dreams have been snuffed out? Because my dream was to be a career airman in the Air Force and to continue to do this and do that. And, but what does God do? He takes something that is not so good and makes it into something wonderful. That's what God does. And so after I finished my medical rehabilitation, I came back to the United States. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house. I've got a wife and three kids at that time. So virtually I'm homeless and I'm hurt. And a friend put me up in a little summer cottage next to a church in Tyler, Texas. And the church reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to come and tell our story because during that two year period after the crash, their grandson, Bill Griffin, heard about all these stories and we began to share with Bill what God was doing in our lives. And Bill gave his heart to Christ. And his grandparents said, we've been praying for Bill his entire life. Any of you pray for your kids or your grandkids? Anybody here? Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying because God answers our prayers. I read that in the excerpt from your book I was looking at earlier. It says one of the most important things you can do is just pray for those kids. Pray, pray, pray. So they were praying for Bill. Bill heard the story, and one day in, in, our, in the parachute packing room, where I, I had returned to duty enough to help out with some odd jobs around the section, and I'm packing some parachutes. Bill walked in, and he had been ridiculing me because of, I'm telling people about Jesus all day long, and he's tired of it, right? So, so uh, and we had a discussion, and he started to shake, and I didn't know if he was angry, but what was happening is God was shaking him. And I went over next to him and I said, Bill, do you wanna give your heart to Jesus? And he said, yes, I do. And we knelt down right there on the concrete floor of the parachute packing room. Bill gave his heart to Jesus. His grandparents invited us to live in their summer cottage up in Tyler, Texas. The church asked me to come and tell that story that I just told you because they're wondering, what happened to Bill? 
I mean, this isn't the same Bill that left. I said, no, he met Jesus. And so I told him that story, and they're all, hallelujah, praise God, you know, and, and, and that's wonderful. Then they did this. They said, we want you to come back next Sunday night. And I said, well, that pretty much was the only story I have. <laughs> they said, no, we'd like you to come back and just give us a message out of God's Word. And that began a 30 years of serving in churches around Texas. Eventually went to San Marcos, Texas, and uh, as Pastor Terry was, was saying that um, God blessed us with the opportunity to start a church, much like this church. People from every background, every walk of life, every generation, everything about us that could make us different makes us all the same because we all love God. And in God's family, there's no strangers. God's family, there's that joy that I saw on your faces when I walked in here today. So we pastored that church and we saw many lives changed until a few years ago, seven years ago, my injuries began to come back. Two discs in my back ruptured. I couldn't stand to preach. I couldn't walk. I was in bed. And I had to go back to the, to the VA hospital in San Antonio. And I knew that this part of my life was about to change. But, you know, God takes our disappointments and does what? He turns them into something good. And although I knew that I could no longer pastor my church and do the things that I used to do, that God still was giving me some time to do something. And so I love to fish. I love to fish with uh, Terry's dad, Jim. His lovely wife, Beth, also fishes. And she sometimes catches the biggest fish, by the way. And I said, I know that I love the military. I love our veterans. I am a veteran. I'm married to a veteran. Our kids are veterans. You know, I just... And, and I loved it. What can I do? And I began to pray, and God said, I'm going to give you something pretty special. I'm going to ask you to reach out to disabled veterans and teach them how to fly fish. An organization called Project Healing Waters Fly Fishing. It's, a, it's a, all around the country. We have over 200 programs. We have 11 programs here in Texas. And I've been asked to oversee those programs in Texas plus Louisiana. So that's that's what I do today. I work with disabled veterans. And I get to see disabled veterans from every country, every walk of life, every size, every shape, every color, every creed. But they're, they have one thing in common. They've served their country and they got hurt doing their job. And they need help. So we teach them how to fly fish teach them how to tie flies. Got a, I've got a little book with me, I'll show you, where later on, if you want to, you can come up and talk, where we, we go to the VA hospital, we teach them how to tie flies. We teach them how to build a fly rod, how to cast a fly rod. Then we take them to some really beautiful places. There are no ugly places to fly fish. And as we meet, we meet every week, and they begin to build camaraderie, and they begin to have friendships. And you know what happens. If you're a veteran and you get with another veteran, within the first two minutes, what are you talking about? Guns, radios, airplanes, ships, you know, because you, all that 
familiar language that you really have no opportunity to talk about to civilian people. All of a sudden, it's back, and you can talk about these things, and, and you feel valued, loved, respected, welcomed, kind of like a church. And then as that trust begins to develop, then we can share with them the truth about the Word of God. So I'm going to finish. I'm going to just tell you a story about Blake. Blake came to us three years ago, four years ago, 2015. Blake had been in the Army infantry. He was in a firefight in Iraq in a sandstorm. Maybe I won't finish that story. For one, it's painful and hard to tell. And maybe it's just too much to share this morning. But I will tell you that Blake held his best friend while his best friend died, who had been wounded and shot in battle. I will tell you that Blake was blown over a barricade when, when someone threw a hand grenade at him and literally, they have these big concrete barricades. So he was wounded. He's, got a, he's a Purple Heart veteran. And from what he saw and experienced in combat, he came back to the States. And the VA started to give him medication. And that didn't kill the pain, so he thought maybe alcohol will help. That didn't kill the pain, so he thought maybe more medication and more alcohol will help. And he spent the next three years in and out of psychiatric hospitals, thought about taking his own life. Do you know the veteran suicide rate is twice the national average for reasons like that, people like Blake? So Blake shows up one day, and I said, Blake, you want to learn how to fly fish? He goes, I don't know, never done it before. Well, let's try. As we began to teach fly fishing, we got to know each other. I remember one time we were camped out next to a river. And I brought a Bible, put it in my tent, and I brought it for Blake. I said, Blake, I got something in my tent I want you to have. He came over. I remember it was already dark, and we just had a little flashlight in the tent, and I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus, and I'm sharing what God has done in my life, and that God loves him. God has a plan for his life. God wants to forgive him, give him freedom. You know what Blake does now? Blake works at a place in Austin, Texas called the Samaritan Center. He's in charge of a cell block at the, at the Travis County Jail, 24 beds, all for veterans. And he's their leader. <laughs> and every day he gets to communicate to them the healing power of God and how God has a plan for their life. And God can take something that is not so good and turn it into something that is wonderful. You have a story. It's God's story. How God met you right where you were and changed your life forever. I'm going to encourage you, if you, if you want to come to me afterwards, I have some handouts. If you know a veteran who might be in need of some fun, adventure, good company, wants to learn how to fly fish, I want you to reach out to them and, and 
we would like to start a program. We do not have a program anywhere on the Texas Gulf Coast, anywhere in the Houston area. The closest one is Conroe. And actually, two people from Sugarland go to Conroe. How far is that? It's too far. <laughs> it's, it's too far. That's how far it is. So I don't know. God may be up to something wonderful. I need to just be available to him if he wants to do something. Uh, we're trying to do some things in Corpus Christi, Galveston, New Orleans, um, to get the Gulf Coast area established with, with an outreach, because there's a lot of veterans. We have 400,000 disabled veterans in the state of Texas, 400,000. It's on my heart to be available to God to help as many as I can. So if you'd if you think you might be interested in learning more about that, or if you know a veteran who needs some help, um, I'd like to talk to you. So Pastor Terry, would you come and, and close us in prayer, or whatever you would like to do at this time? And I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to be here. Thank you. So uh, what, let me, let me share, you can be seated real quick. Let me show you what we're going to do is um, obviously we, whenever we have guest speakers, we want to honor them and give them an honorarium. And, and Pastor Mike said he doesn't want anything, but we're going we're gonna to give a donation to Project Healing Waters uh, that will help him go around to do all that. Thank and, you. Uh, and if Thank you. we're not going to take up an offering this morning, but if the Lord has put it on your heart, to donate toward this, then you can just put an offering in the wooden box out in the foyer, and we will add it to what we what we give to them. So, Brother Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. We have one last thing that we want to do. Uh, Pastor Joe, would you come up? Uh, if you don't know Joe Agudelo, he's come on up. He's he's uh, gonna gonna come on staff here in in 2020, and we're gonna start it. He's gonna help start a Spanish service. So. Uh, we're going we're gonna to start doing this. We need to move this real quick. Jason, could you just throw that over there real quick? And um, so what we're going to do is, uh, oh, I said throw it, okay. But we're going we're gonna to honor the veterans one more time, and Pastor Joe's going to do it for us. Thank you, Pastor Terry. Well, good morning, family life. How are you doing this morning? Wasn't that awesome testimony of what God can do with a true servant? Amen. That's awesome, brother. Well, as we all know, tomorrow is Veterans Day, but today, Family Life wants to honor our veterans here at Family Life. And so I will ask all the veterans to come up forward as we uh, want to honor them this morning. If, uh, okay, that's fine. All righty, well, let me do that. Don't want to embarrass anyone. And so this morning, we want to honor them for their service to our country, and we want to present this uh, certificate of recognition of their service to our country and what that represents and what that means to us as Americans, okay? So I'm going to call them out. United States Coast Guard veteran Jimmy Creel.
United States Air Force veteran Terry Hensley. United States Navy veteran Vernon Piles. United States Navy veteran Dennis Sands. United States Navy veteran Seth Steiger. Okay, we'll hold on to this. United States Navy veteran Larry White. United States Army veteran Paul Carranza. United States Army veteran George Carter. United States Army veteran Terry Darnell. United States Army veteran Ken Jackson. United States Army veteran Gary Green. United States Army veteran Nathan Heikman. Hakimian, I'm sorry. Army beat Navy. <laughs> United States Army veteran Cindy Lira. 
and United States Army veteran Kareem Miner. Veterans, family life, we And now for the blessing. May we bow as we pray. Heavenly Father, today we honor our veterans, men and women who served our country in their respective branches of the military of these United States of America. We pray for these men and women who have given their sacrifice and above all their lives to protect our freedom that we embrace today. Veterans who sacrifice their lives for friends, known and unknown, for the benefit of a better life. Jesus, you said that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Lord, we ask that you bless each one of them here today, that you would heal them spiritually, emotionally, physically, as they bear the scars of war, that you would give them vigor, and may they always be appreciated for their great courage. Bless those in the military who are currently serving on the battlefield, serving here at home or abroad, that you would protect them, and that you would strengthen them and their families. Lord, give our veterans peace beyond the peace that they fought to secure, a peace in their own hearts, wrapped in the joy of a life touched by your mighty hand. Lord, we honor our veterans today. We thank you, and we thank them for their great sacrifice. Lord, may our veterans never be forgotten. And as a nation, may we never surrender to defeat. Lord, bless these United States of America, home of the brave and of the free. And we honor you, Lord, to whom all honor is due. Veterans, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.